Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Terran Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's is all about a great shave at a great price, which is why over 3 million guys have switched to Harry's. They sell razors, and they'll mail them to you right at your home. In your home, you'll, you'll get them. There'll be a package. You'll, you'll open the door. You'll, you'll take in the package. It'll be a box. You'll get to open the box, and there's going to be another box inside of the box you're going to, need to open that box too it's a lot of boxes and it's pretty cool i have had the pleasure of harry's razors caressing my face for a little while now and let's just say my face enjoys it so harry's is so confident they're going to give you a free trial set for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash just pay for shipping. So claim your free trial offer from Harry's today. Just go to harrys.com slash Taryn right now. That's harrys.com slash Taryn. That's me. That's my name right there. On this week's episode, I got, I reached, I reached out of the realm of my realm. I, I reached out of my realm and into a place that is also reality TV, but not Big Brother or Survivor. I got, I got someone who was on Shark Tank. Uh, actually, Aubrey got me in touch with um, somebody that she's working with. Uh, this guy, he went on to Shark Tank. He got a bunch of money from Shark Tank and then uh, grew grew as this business. Uh, he's also from Maine. He kind of had a similar, somewhat similar upbringing to me. And I thought it'd be interesting to uh, to talk to him and and get his story and sort of, you know, talk to a guy like a, a guy who runs a successful business. What, what's what's that about? How is how's that a thing? That's is that a thing that real people do? I guess so. Uh cuz this is a, a real person or at least I hope it was cuz it'd be weird if it wasn't. All right. He's not human. He is like a machine making more podcasts than you've ever seen. He was never programmed of his social life. It's the Terran Show. The Terran Show. Don't ask if he's single. You already know. Cause it's the Terran Show. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Terran Show. Hello everyone and welcome to the Terran Show. I have a, uh, it's a, a bit of a different guest this time. Uh, you know, normally I get some Survivor people, Big Brother people, maybe some people from RHAP. Uh, I've got something a little different for you here. Um, actually, uh, my good friend Aubrey Bracco got me in touch with this guy. Uh, he was on Shark Tank, and uh, he's he's built this business, Cousin's Main Lobster business. Um, and he has a, uh, Aubrey tells me, a very uh, interesting story. So um, I've I've brought uh, Sabin Lumac. Lomac, yes. Lomac. Taryn, we're in, the, we're in the club where we have unique and cool names. <laughs> yes, that's very true. This is like a very <laughs> cool crowd. It's cool now, but when we grew up, it wasn't cool. It's, that's, it, that's exactly true. Uh, I wanted to be Mike when I was young. Yeah, I wanted to be like, uh, you know, uh, uh, John or something. Yeah, John would have been good. Yeah. Uh, it, but people, now you're stoked. Yeah, well, it's, I guess it works for the name of a podcast. Yeah, you're, it's working. <laughs> yeah. My mom used to call me Satan. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, that's a whole different, that's a whole different podcast. Um, well, maybe. Um, so uh, I have Sabin Lomac here. Uh, Sabin, can you, can you introduce yourself to uh, to the listeners of the podcast? Yes. What's up, guys? Um, 
Yeah, my name is Sabin Lomack. I am one of the founders of Cousins Maine Lobster. Uh, we started in 2012 a food truck here in Los Angeles, and we are cousins from Maine. It was kind of our idea to have a side business. We both had full-time jobs, and my cousin and I uh, you know, went out drinking one night, came up with a crazy idea, and said, you know, let's ship Maine Lobster, fly it fresh overnight, and sell it out of a truck. And uh, we did just that. And ever since then, kind of uh, exploded. Shark Tank called us, asked us to go on the show. About two months into business, we went on. And uh, we're five and a half years in business. We have over 30 locations in 20 cities. We opened a restaurant in Taiwan a week ago. And we've done um, over $40 million in sales since. So kind of a crazy entrepreneurial journey from guys who didn't go to business school or, uh, you know, kind of barely struggled to get through school anyway. So that's the backstory. But of course, we can go more in depth. Yes. Well, uh, you you grew up in Maine, right? Like you, I don't think you were born in Maine, but you did grow up in Maine. Yep. Mm -hmm. I was uh, I was born in San Diego. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um when I was four, my mother, who was from Maine, my entire family is from Maine. She got in a car. I was raised by just my mother. No, no brothers, no sisters, no dad. And she said, the hell with this place. We're leaving uh, sunny San Diego and we're going to go where it's freezing. <laughs> I'm going to raise you um, like I was raised. So at the time, uh, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, I probably wished I was in San Diego. But in hindsight, it was the, it was the best decision she could have made because Maine is phenomenal. So, yeah, I grew up in Maine. Grew up with my cousin, uh, you know, very close family, small family, um, kind of little lower middle class, you know, blue collar kind of town. And, uh, you know, I just uh, I got the entrepreneurial bug when I was a kid. I've worked, you know, 30 plus jobs before I even went to college and always had to kind of provide for myself because there wasn't a lot of money laying around. And um, I went to college in New York, studied drama. I used to love acting. I did plays and um involved myself in the theater as much as possible. And I moved to, moved to Los Angeles. Eventually, um, I was doing some TV work, started selling real estate and I was doing phenomenal. I had a pretty easy cake life and things were great. And my cousin Jim came out to visit an ex-girlfriend, uh, who he's since, uh, you know, broke up with, it didn't work out, but they, uh, he called me and he said, Hey man, I'm in town. We went out and we, we went drinking and, you know, it was one of those kind of like, we should, we should open a food truck and <laughs> we should definitely do it. No, I love you. You know, and that's how the, 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 the story starts. Wow. Yeah. Um, I actually, I grew up in Maine as well. I was in York. Um, and I, I didn't like the cold. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think I even now would have preferred somewhere else. But wait a second, um, where are you right now? I'm in Boston right now. Yeah, so you might, yeah, you migrated, you know, a couple of miles away. You're still cold. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it, it is. That's the problem. Uh, I, I still need to get out to uh, California or something. So you're from York. So you're, you, we used to play York I'm from Scarborough. Oh, yeah. See, there you go. I played uh, soccer, basketball, baseball. Yeah, I played, um, I was in cross country and track. Shit. Um, That's, yeah, I couldn't have done that. That's too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Well, especially especially in the winter, uh, like we did indoor track, but we'd still run outside for like until it got just like way too cold and then yeah. we'd get to go inside. And that was always the worst part. I hated it. Taryn, how old are you? I'm 25. Oh, so I'm 36. So, yeah, we have definitely different time frames of me. But <laughs> yeah. same, same bitter cold, same aggressive snow. I get it. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I feel like I can probably uh, sort of relate to your experience a little bit. Like, um, you know, I, you know, growing up in Maine, uh, single mom, uh, you know, lower income kind of situation. You know, how, like, what was that experience for you? Um, Well, when I, you know, I think the experience of being, you know, a single parent family, you know, my whole life, not, I didn't know my dad was, uh, um, was fine until I got old enough to understand that we didn't have a lot of things like other people had. There were times when we didn't have heat in the house, um, you know, years at a time, there were times when we didn't have, uh, you know, a lot of things that other kids did. And once I started to realize that, and once I started to look around and see other, you know, every other dad at, at the practices, you know, soccer or basketball, that's when it probably got a little tougher for me. Um, when I was, you know, in my, you know, 12, 13, 14, I started to get into a, a, a fair amount of trouble, um, and found myself, um, even at age, at age 14, spending nights in jail and I had been arrested multiple times. And so in Maine, especially back then, you know, it kind of didn't seem like there was as much trouble as you could get into, but, you know, I found it and, um, kind of had a, a one of those crossroads where I feel like I, in hindsight, I was one of those kids that could have gone either way. Cause I did hang out with good kids and smart kids. Um, and I hung out with some bad kids that, you know, now are either, um, dead, dead end, uh, you know, dead end jobs or in jail. So, um, <clears throat> my life was kind of turned around. I was put on the, uh, put in the big brothers, big sisters program when I was 14 and I was matched with a, a young guy who's now a, a decorated Marine. And he was 22 at the time. He really helped change my life. Um, you know, we, he became a, a friend, a brother, all that, all the things that the program wants you to be. And, you know, 20 years later, we're super close. He named his brother, he named his son after me. I was the best man in his wedding. Um, and since, you know, I've gone on to be pretty big in, in big brothers, big sisters here in Los Angeles, I'm on the board. I was named, uh, 2016 national big brother of the year for our work. We have a charity uh, with cousins, Maine lobster and big brothers. So, um, I think that's what helped me turn it around. But at the time, yeah, I was, I was pretty crazy, pretty reckless, and I really didn't care about anything. And I think that when you're a kid, sometimes if you don't have the guidance, especially as a male and you don't have a male, any male figure, um, it's easy to uh, get lost. And I think I flirted with that pretty well. What was it about that, that time and that experience that made you flirt with that stuff? Was it, was it that like sort of falling into the wrong crowd or was there something deeper? Um, I think, I think when you're a kid, you struggle with your identity. And I think that probably I didn't necessarily, you know, I, I was very smart. I made the honor roll. I never studied and, uh, I was a great athlete. I was a varsity athlete. Um, I, you know, I didn't practice, but, um, you know, I think if you don't know your identity, you don't know who you are. And I think young, young people struggle with that a lot. And even as adults, we still, you know, our identities change trying to find yourself. So I think for me, I just didn't know who I was and what kind of a person I wanted to be. And I was angry. I was definitely in hindsight, angry with my situation. And I know that I had, I felt like I had the excuses to say, well, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Fuck it. What do you, you know? I, you know, I don't have money and I don't have a dad and this is what's going on in my house. It's fuck this. I can do what I want. Um, and what I realized is when you inevitably end up in jail, um, you know, you kind of have those moments where you're like, okay, <laughs> this is the end. Um, this is the kind of life you're going to live. And that's what scared me to be like, I don't want to live this type of life. This sucks you know, I'm much better and smarter than this. So, um, but I think, you know, each kid's different for me. It was, I just didn't know who I was and I, 
so I hung out with people doing a wide variety of things. Some were doing good things. Some were doing bad things. Yeah. What was, what was it like, be, like going to jail as a, as a kid? Mm, I mean, I only did, you know, I didn't, I only was spending the night there. But right. it, was pretty, it was pretty, you know, until my mom came or until I got bail or however that process worked, but it was scary. Um, and, uh, uh, the first one I did was in Worcester mass and they, they actually put me in like a real men's jail, you know, with like the actually grown men before they transferred me to a juvenile facility when I was like 14. And it was, it was, it was scary. So, you know, they have those shows scared straight of like little kids that think they're hard and tough, which I was probably one of those kids. And all of a sudden you're really like, Oh fuck, what have I done? And, uh, that was, uh, it was, you know, it was scary. It wasn't cool. And, um, it was a wake up call. And it's not to say that that moment changed me because I definitely went back to my same habits for years to come. Um, but you know, it's, it was the start of some awakening, but yeah, what it was like, it was very scary. Yeah. So, so tell me more about like how you broke out of those habits. Um, you said that the, the big brother program really helped you with that, like what, what specifically did you have to do to, to turn it around? Mm, well, I just think, you know, I, I definitely didn't quite turn it around immediately. I didn't hit a light switch and start doing things. Um, I just think in the back of my head, I knew that, uh, that was an option like, okay, you can keep messing up and end up in that, that situation. Uh, you can and, and, and help me define who I hung out with and what I wanted to be. But, um, for me, I just, I just, I just didn't want to end up there, I think. And so I started, um, working harder. I started, uh, I really just outworked everybody. That's what I did. I mean, I got a scholarship to go to college because we couldn't afford a college. Once I got to college, I worked full time so I could still go out. I could still party. I could still do what everyone else did. Um, but you know, enjoy myself. So for me, and I just think not wanting to live, I wanted a good life. I've, I've always been very motivated to have a life that I never necessarily had. I want to have a big house. I want to have a family. I want to have my children to be happy. And even at a young age, I realized if, if uh, you keep that kind of stuff up and you hang out with these type of people, you're going to, you know, you'll end up with none of that. And I don't want that. So, uh, tell me, tell me more about the, uh, the big brother stuff. Like how did that, how did you get involved with that? Yeah. So, I mean, my mom had me on a wait list for about two years in Southern Maine, um, because, you know, she knew that I, I needed some male, um, you know, camaraderie examples, et cetera. And so, um, this Marine, he, he was actually in the Coast Guard at the time. He was 22. His name's Stephen LaCavera. He's from uh, New Jersey. And he was in town in Portland, Maine, folding his laundry in a laundromat. And he picked up a penny saver, saw an ad. And, you know, when I was 22, I couldn't imagine, you know, doing such a, a noble thing. But he did. He called. He signed up. And I was 14 at the time. So not a huge age gap. And, you know, he, what he did for me was, you know, he showed up to my games, for that was the first time in my life when I had someone actually like, you know, mail there all the time and, um, took me out, you know, for pizza and just hung out and just, you know, I could talk to someone about girls, talk to someone about drugs or all the shit that was going on in my life as opposed to, um, you know, not. And, uh, it, it really helped turn my life around because I had a good role model and I had a friend and someone that, you know, I, I trusted and believed in. And, you know, it's just, I look back on it now and I'm 36 and I'm like, man, this guy, you know, really saved my life. He was a you know, total angel, you know, blessing because without that, I don't know what would have happened. So for me now where I'm in a really fortunate position with my business or, um, you know, so many, so many blessings now, 
I think my, my cousin Jimmy and I really wanted to do something to give back to our communities and to raise awareness. And so we, you know, we didn't necessarily know what at first. And so we said, you know, what, why not big brothers, big sisters? And so that it really opened something special. He's now a big brother. I'm a big brother to a kid here in in South LA. Um, And, you know, I know, I know the program works. I know that um, it works. So I'm I'm big in mentoring um, and, you know, just really think that regardless of whether it's big brothers, big sisters, or regardless of whether it's, you know, the children's hospital, if you're not doing something for someone, I, I think you're really failing in life. And I think that to all your listeners, if, the, if you're, you know, you don't have to be um, in some fortunate position or making money or doing all this. If you're alive, you're, you're living, you're doing, you're, you're doing something, you have an opportunity. So, I think um, that was that's the path we've chosen, which is big brothers, big sisters. But man, I just applaud people that actually give back and help people because in that instance, that guy didn't need to do that, and he really helped save my life. So hopefully, you know, we can do that for other people. That's kind of the bigger play. Yeah. Does that like? Do you really find fulfillment in that? Like being able to, especially in the way that saved you, now be able to give back to uh, to other people. Yeah, hundred percent. It's the most, it's the most, I mean, I, I just had my first child, so I can't say it's the most rewarding feeling I've ever had because having a child was the most rewarding feeling. But, you know, prior to that, um, you know, being able to help my little brother and being able to help other kids, it's, it's a feeling that like, man, it's, it's insanely, it's awesome. These are kids that were not dealt good hands, you know, I, much worse than you and I. And so, and, you know, if you can provide them opportunities to, to, to live a life that, you know, they deserve. It's, it's awesome. So it's the, it's an ultimate fulfillment and it's great to help people. And, you know, that's what the world needs is more people doing, doing stuff like that. And then inevitably you, you hope that when they get older, they'll pay it forward and they'll help more people as well. That's, that's it. It's this world, we can't be selfish, you know? And, and I think that, um, you know, the less selfish you are, the better. Yeah. So how does it feel like, you know, uh, having created the successful business, um, you just had your first child, like, like looking back, do you feel like, like you've been able to accomplish everything that you, you set out to, to accomplish? Well, I mean, the it feels, it feels phenomenal to be um, a father. It feels phenomenal to have this business and the people that we work with and all of the, all of the good stuff that we have going on. It's, it's like the best it's, it, it, I definitely feel um, very proud and satisfied and happy. I'm definitely not, um, you know, stagnant or just like chilling at the moment. You know, I work harder now than I did ever, which, um, it's just, I think my character, I don't, you know, I don't stop or take breaks, but I feel good about them. I feel good about where we are. I feel good about where we're going. And yeah, I mean, I feel optimistic that I'm going to be able to provide my, my son with a life that I never had. Most importantly is just being present and giving him love. And, uh, you know, once being a father now and looking, I wonder like, uh, how, you know, I missed out on so much. It's, it's astounding. You would never know how much you missed out until you're actually in that position and where you are a father to, and, and uh, it's just, it's really cool. So yeah, I'm in a very fortunate position and I'm enjoying it a lot. Awesome. Well, uh, tell me more about the, uh, the shark tank, experience like what is it what is it like how did that whole thing happen 
Yeah. Shark Tank is Shark Tank is very real. It's it's insane. It's scary. Um, uh, we you know, like I said, we had the very fortunate opportunity to go on uh, this show. Um, and we previous to going on, uh, my cousin and I had watched probably 50, 60 episodes. Um, we wanted to go on. We wanted to do uh, to represent ourselves. Well, we'd only been in business two months. So we didn't have a lot of sales history, but, you know, we had done about 150,000 in sales in two months out of a food truck. So uh, we, you know, we were proud of that and we didn't need the money either. We just needed some mentorship. We knew that we had something very special, um, but we needed mentorship because we didn't have uh, really any business experience at all or entrepreneurial experience for that matter. So when we went on the show, we, you know, prior to going on, we watched every episode. We wrote down uh, index cards of, of the questions that the sharks commonly ask. So Mark Cuban usually says this, or Barbara Corcoran says that. Um, and we would quiz each other. We'd stand in the mirror. We, we practiced for days. And, um, by the time we went on, we were very scared. Um, you know, you go and you, you wait and, you know, you kind of, you, you're finally there and you open the doors and it's, it's a, it's a very real show. Having done tons of TV since that show, um, it's the realest show I've ever done. There's no take twos. There's no pauses. There's no timeouts. Um, it's, it's live, you know, in the sense that, if you mess up, that that's your really your opportunity. So standing there in front of those people, you're lucky, and you have a really a really uh, fantastic opportunity. And um, by doing the preparation, we saw so many people blow it, and you you know by not knowing numbers or not knowing things, and it, it really just astounded us. So when we went on the show, we wanted to make sure that we. Um, you know, we knew everything and I think we did a really good job. We were fortunate. We wanted to get a deal with Barbara Corcoran, um, because we had heard phenomenal things about her and her, uh, her dealings with her entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs specifically in the food space. So we were fortunate enough to get a deal with her. And then ever since then, it's just been crazy. The, the reach, just like some of the shows you mentioned, um, the reach and of people that, that do watch Shark Tank is, is huge, much bigger than I ever could understand. Um, and Shark Tank has been such a, they've been so supportive of our business. They've featured us on, you know, countless follow-up episodes and where are they now kind of episodes. And as far as Barbara goes, she's the real deal. So you know, for people listening that wonder if the show is real or if this can really happen or do the, do the sharks really care? I mean, it's, it's all incredibly real and, and much better than you could ever imagine. And, um, I, you know, I speak for on about that with Barbara or any of the other groups, Damon or Robert or Lori, they, they Kevin, they all do a phenomenal job with the people they invest with. So it's really cool. It's the American dream, you know? And, and again, it's like, it's the same concept of mentoring and helping people. These people are very wealthy and they don't have a lot of time. Um, they're, they're doing this and they are, you know, they're living their entrepreneurial kind of early years again with each, each group they work with. So it's cool. Did you have any like apprehension about going on TV and like, what if you embarrass yourself? Like, uh, was that like, how scary was that? Yeah, that was like our biggest apprehension. Our biggest worry was going on TV, um, you know, not making, not representing ourselves well, making a fool out of ourselves, looking stupid, not knowing the answer. What if the sharks tried our food and didn't like it? What if they said, you know, Ugh, this doesn't taste good. And now you've got 10 million people hearing that. Uh, that was a very real concern and a very real, um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was scary. Um, hence why we practice so much. 
Um, you know, it was a risk and, and, it, and it had a huge payoff. But yeah, there's a huge risk to it. So we were scared, very, very scared, very scared. And uh, my cousin Jim, you know, he, 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 he claims to have blacked out halfway through the show. I'm not sure if that's true, um, but it, you know, the bright, the lights are bright, man, and the uh, the the stage is set and it's very real. So I can see why some people get flustered and and panic. How did you end up getting on the show? Um, we are, uh, we were one of the, a fortunate group. They, they, Shark Tank reaches out to about uh, 20 groups per season and they say, you know, we're, we're interested in you. Would you consider coming on the show? You still have to do all of the same, uh, vetting procedures and all, you know, you still have to do all of the future auditions and so on and so forth. But, you know, you kind of skip the first step of like standing in the huge line, which a lot of people have to do. So we were fortunate to not have to do that, but we had to kind of uh, do the rest of the hurdles. Um, but they reached out, I think that they had seen or heard of us, um, in Los Angeles and said, but, you know, maybe these guys might make a good match. <clears throat> so we got the initial call and, you know, kind of went from there. What's it been like to, you know, you, you've been on TV now, um, and now like you get all sorts of attention, I imagine, like from viewers of Shark Tank, uh, from going on various other, you know, programs, videos, um, like, do you, do you find that like you have a lot more attention on you now? Like even just personally? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's definitely more attention. We've, you know, whether we've been on TV, we, um, you know, I started to, I've started to work a lot with food network. We, I have a new show that I'm hosting coming out this year on food network. Um, so there's, there's a lot of like, there's definitely more attention. There's definitely more, um, you know, attention is a good word, but, uh, it's fine. You know, if you represent yourself well and you have good intentions always, and you know, it's all good. So we embrace it. It doesn't, it doesn't trip us out. I think, I think it's humbling. If anything, when we go to other cities, we're, you know, we're in 20, 20 cities. Now we go to these cities and people know us and they know the, the, the story of cousins Maine lobster and they're, oh, I'm your biggest fan. I love this. And I've been coming here. I mean, that's like the coolest feeling in the world. So, um, you know, we, we really take pride in our food, number one, our customer service. And so the, the fact that we have, um, you know, been successful with, with our passion is, is, is rewarding. So when people recognize that, it's really cool. But Shark Tank's a beast, man. Like it's, I'm sure it's like Survivor, like these other shows, you know, people watch it. It's one of those shows where you can watch with your children and, um, you know, talk about, you know, the valuations or is this a good idea or did that person, were they prepared? And I think it's a good, I think it's a really good show for America because it shows, you know, I think growing up, I can't speak for you, but I had no idea that I could be, I could open my own business or I could, you know, be an entrepreneur or fulfill my, I didn't even know what that meant. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not like there's, there were classes in my high school that really promoted that. Um, I didn't even really understand it when I started the business for that matter. I just kind of stumbled into it. So I think for children that watch Shark Tank or young adults, they see that your dreams can come true. However, you have to be prepared. You have to be doing a good job. You have to know your business. Um, you know, like, I think, I think it's a good lesson. Yeah. Well, like if there, if there was somebody listening who, you know, had always wanted to start a business or is maybe thinking about it, like, what would you tell them? Um, well, first of all, I would say, uh, go in with the, you know, go in with good intentions. Don't go in to make millions of dollars, go into, um, because you enjoy what you do, go in because you, 
are passionate about what you do. So, you know, that's the first thing money can't drive you. I think, um, number two, you have to be the best in your, in your class, in your business. Um, and if you're not at the moment, you have to strive towards that. So <clears throat> setting the bar high, we, we want to be number one. We want to have the best product. We don't want to have the second best product. We don't want to have an A minus. It has to be an A plus. Um, so I think that's a way to distinguish yourself from any competitors uh, is to make sure you have the best, your best in the class um, and making sure that you know everything about your business or you're willing to learn everything there is to know about that business and ask a million questions and don't be too proud to ask questions or say you don't know what you're doing. Um, and then just do the, do the work, work hard, work harder than other people. So we, we consistently outwork people. We consistently put in the long hours. We consistently ask questions to this day. We'll be on the phone with someone. Um, and we'll say, you know, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? And, and, and I think for the first second, the person's taken back. They're like, are these guys stupid? Like, you know, cause no one says that nowadays. No, I don't know what that is. Um, but we're not, we're, we're not prideful. We just teach us what, what does that mean? And once we know, we don't forget. And so I think if you're a young person trying to start a business, um, a young entrepreneur or whoever you are, if you're an employee of a company, go ask, ask people that have been there longer, ask them questions, learn more. Um, because that, that's, that's a, a quick way to, to, to get up. And Barbara taught us that for sure. We were on the phone with Barbara the first couple of times and she's like, I don't know what that is. What is that? What is this? What is this? And you, at first the natural reaction was like, how does Barbara not know this? But then you realize that like, she doesn't know everything. She's, she's not an expert in, in food trucks or the food space. She's an expert in branding and business and, and dealing with people. And essentially that's what every business has to do. Um, you just have to find your niche. So if you're looking to start a business, yeah, just, you know, go in with the right intentions. Don't go in trying to make millions. Usually when you do that, you, you cut corners and you, um, you know, you're doing it for the wrong reason. So once you, uh, once you were on Shark Tank, what, what kind of, uh, like you mentioned that, that Barbara started sort of mentoring you. Um, she invested a bit, like what did, what did that actually, what does that actually look like? Like what actually happened? Mm, well, I mean, the, f the, f the first, we, we got the deal with Barbara, um, about a month later, you know, all the paperwork was finalized. Shark Tank called us and said, Hey, we're going to shoot like a little home package in Maine, which is, you know, like a kind of a, a little quick thing before you go on the show. And Barbara gets on the phone with me and she goes, okay, you know, so I know we're going to shoot this. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, um, you know, you're coming to Maine. Do you, you want a hotel recommendation? Um, you're obviously welcome to stay at my house. She goes, okay. I was like, huh? She goes, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'll stay, I'll stay with you. I was like, okay. You know, so it kind of, I tell the story cause it kind of defines who Barbara is as a person, you know? So next thing you know, like a week later, Barbara's uh, at my, at my house and she's, she brought her daughter and she's waking up in her PJs and we're playing Scrabble and drinking wine. And you're like, Holy shit, this is crazy. What the hell? You know, I was like, what the hell's going on? You know? Um, so, so she was very, she's very close with her entrepreneurs and she's very hands-on. So, you know, that's, that was, that's kind of a, a, the beginning, but you know, we have, uh, we call her anytime we want. We talk, we Skype, we go visit her in New York. She comes to LA. Um, all of our bigger ideas, all of the kind of broad strokes of the business, we run by her and we talk about, we get her input and her feedback. Some of the things we, we, we agree with some that we don't, she'd be the first to tell you that we never, you know, we never listen to her, but we do. Um, but, uh, 
you know, you're just basic, you're in business with a person who has vast business experience. You know, you're in business with a Mark Cuban or a Damon John or a Barbara Corcoran. It's crazy. You know, it's, it's, you can ask them questions that, um, you get there. The insight is just unbelievable. So, you know, we have her, um, you know, uh, on the team. So when we need her, she's available. And, uh, so it could be like a branding question and saying, Hey, you know, we're thinking about this, this slogan or this, this, this font, or it could be like a, a bigger thing of scaling. She, ta- she told us, um, it was her idea for us to franchise our business. And at the time I didn't even really know what franchising was. You know, I just knew that if I went to a Jersey Mike's, uh, that they had the same food. I didn't understand that the franchising process. And now we have, um, you know, 16, you know, franchisees, we call them, you know, family members, we, you know, they're awesome people and, and they're, you know, growing the business exponentially. So that was her idea. So it could be, it could be something small, like Barbara saying, Hey, I don't like the colors. Let's work on that. Or it could be something bigger. Yeah. You mentioned you just opened a, a new, uh, place in Taiwan. How, like what, how did that happen? Mm, these, so basically it's a group, uh, called KCI and they, uh, they, they take American brands that they love that, you know, are successful here and, um, they open them up there. So they worked with Tom shoes. They work with a group called, you know, a, a brand called Sanook Sanook. And so they contacted us. Um, you know, we, we talked to them about the opportunity. We met with the people at Tom's to see if, you know, they were happy with their partnership. My cousin Jim flew over to Taiwan and, and just phenomenal people. So we, we're, you know, we, we, we enjoyed working with them and, and we're proud to, you know, now expand and open there. Uh, so it's the same kind of concept as when we started franchising where, uh, we wanted to grow our business. We, we got the exposure from shark tank, but if you're watching our, the shark tank and you're watching in Raleigh, North Carolina, you can't get our food unless you come to LA. So we wanted to expand, but it's, you know, it's either corporately and controlling that, which is really hard to do, um, especially in the food truck world uh, or franchising. So we set out to basically partner with the best people. Uh, we had you know thousands of leads, thousands of people that wanted to buy in. We initially chose 10 people because we wanted it to be small, intimate. Uh, we wanted to you know love the people we worked with. We wanted to, you know, we call it CML, Cousins Maine Lobster Family. We wanted to, you know, let, just truthfully love the people. Um, and in hindsight, doing that that way was really probably the smartest thing we've ever done because, you know, it's hard to franchise. So starting kind of relatively small allowed us to get our, our feet wet. And um, it, it worked out well because we genuinely love the people we work with. They're, they're awesome people. What is it like to run your own business? Like, like what, like, how, like, what is it? What do you do day to day? Yeah, you sit on the beach and drink pina coladas. <laughs> <laughs> um, to run your own business is you just have, you know, it's, um, we're very disciplined. We, we have learned when it's time to have fun, you can have fun and totally do what you want. But the majority of my days I'm in the office at 8am and we're leaving at, you know, six or 7pm. Um, we are incredibly involved with every facet of our business. Uh, we're, you know, talking to every person that's involved with it. So it could be the owner in, um, Sacramento. It could be a visit there doing a promotion. It could be talking to our manager of our restaurant in West Hollywood. It could be talking to our suppliers in Maine, making sure that, um, our product is, uh, you know, what's the catch like in Maine? What's the weather like in Maine? 
um, you know, where do we want to go? Where do we want to grow? It, you know, it, it never stops. If you own your own business and you care and your business is doing well, the business, it never stops. So, um, the blessing for us and the blessing for, you know, a lot of business owners is you get to fulfill your dreams and, and be your own boss. The hard part is learn, you know, knowing when to turn it off when you're home with your family or when you're out with your friends or family, not checking your emails or text messages. Um, you know, that, that takes an adjustment. So for us, it's, it's a work in progress. We're, you know, six, almost six years into business. We're still trying to get better at that. Um, but you know, owning your own business, the blessing is you do it. It's yours. Um, the curse is that it's very hard to, to turn off, very hard to separate. Um, unlike a lot of people that, you know, at five o'clock they punch out and they, they don't think about it again that we do, we don't do that. We think about it 24 seven. Yeah. So how, how do you manage to keep that balance? Like, how, like, like, what do you do? <laughs> I'm still trying, man. I'm still trying to figure that out. No, I mean, um, hobbies, activities, you know, me personally, I love the beach. I love surfing that, you know, I love, you know, working out or being active that helps spending time with friends, family that helps and knowing, you know, really, I think knowing, that it's okay to not answer that email right away or that call or that text, um, and, and separating it. Um, it's, it's kind of a trained habit and you have to be disciplined and I don't claim to be perfect at it. I'm working on it. You know, I, I think I'm a little better than my cousin Jim at it. Uh, but he's working on it as well, where, you know, you're, if you own it and you're so passionate, you just care so much that it's very hard to not, want to micromanage everything. Um, and so you have to hire a really good team. You have to hire the right, the right people to represent you and work alongside you and trust that they're going to do a good job. And you have to know that, you know, shit's going to happen and it's going to continue to happen. So, you know, (laughs) you can't control it all. And I think that that takes a while for people to to figure out that like, you know, things are going to go wrong no matter what. So don't stress, you know, enjoy it. And I think it's, it's hard. It's very hard to do very, very hard. It might be the hardest part of owning your own business. I don't know if I even answered the question. Did I answer your question? <laughs> How do you no, yeah, fucking I, get from it? I don't know. I'm still working <laughs> on it, but I can tell you that like, you know, turning your phone off, putting it on silent, um, not answering emails. That's the first step. Um, having discipline with good staff and saying, you know, we're going to do this at this time and, and not allowing your, you know, time management is really important. You know, I'm not, I'm not you know, at this specific time, I'm not going to deal with this. And if that causes a further problem, then so be it, because there, there will always be problems. There will always be setbacks. That never goes away. Do you find that you have to sort of like intentionally prioritize other things like your family? Um, you know, I, I, I would... I don't know about, you know, intentionally prioritizing, but, but you definitely have to, for me, I'm, I'm big on writing things down and, and then executing it. If I don't, then I don't. So I'm, you know, setting goals and saying, okay, it's, you know, 2018, what do I want to do this year? How many times do I want to, you know, go to San Diego? Cause my mom and my grandmother are there. And how many times do, do I want to take a trip? And yeah, those types of things you have to set down and prioritize and actually execute. Um, as far as like the, the day to day thing, Um, I think it's just a conscious decision of saying when I go home, um, at night, I'm not, my phone isn't going to be on, I'm not going to be near it. And I'm going to tell my staff and I'm going to tell my partner and that's that. And whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Um, because I'd rather be, um, in the moment, 
with my family than not. So that takes some conscious planning and some actual, you know, understanding. And, and once you do it, you can execute. But like, you know, some entrepreneurs would be like, oh, I never turn off. I have my phone all the time. And, I don't, I don't, and, and if that works for them, that works for them. It doesn't work for me personally. I found it that I, it was very unrewarding or unfulfilling. And I don't like that. I want to be able to check out and be in the moment with whoever I'm with, be it my best friend or my mom or my fiance or, or my baby. That's it. Nothing is more important than that time. Yeah. Do you find it uh, difficult to, I, I mean, I, I don't imagine you do. You, you seem like a very motivated person, but like, do you, do you ever find it difficult to maintain your motivation? No, never. Um, I'm hungrier now than I've ever been. So no, I don't, I don't find it, you know, I don't find it hard. The more, the more, um, the more growth we have, uh, I want to grow more and the more success we have, I want to be more successful. The more good people we work with, I, it's like, wow, this is amazing. So no, I don't, I don't find it hard to be motivated because I like what I do. You know, I like, I'm really proud of what I do. We're really proud of who we work with. Um, and I don't want to let anyone down. We have a huge responsibility now to the people that invested in our business, as well as our employees and our staff and, and ourselves. We've worked too hard. So the motivation is to continue to be excellent. And that's, you know, it's, it's very real. So I'm, I'm hungrier than ever. People, a lot of times people think, um, uh, they go, oh man, you must be chilling. You must be relaxing. You must, oh man, you made it, you know. And, uh, we don't, we work harder now than we ever worked. And I, that goes for most people. I, I feel like when I see, you know, that I've met that are, that have a big business or they have something big going on, these people outwork everybody. And I refer to like Kobe or LeBron or these guys, you think that these guys aren't in the gym all the time, that they're still not practicing to get better in the off season. You think LeBron James is just chilling going, oh man, I'm good. I'm the best in the business. I'm fine. Like this guy's outworking everybody. That's why he's good. So, you know, whatever, whatever world you live in, if you want to be the best, you have to continue to stay mentally sharp like that. So for me, no, it's easy because I'm, that's just how we're wired. And my cousins, my cousins are even worse than me or even more wired than me. He's, he's, he's just super, super, um, motivated. Do you ever, do you ever see like a finish line? Like what, like, what do you do? Uh, like, do you, are, do you ever plan on stopping at some point and just being like, all right, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> I don't know. You know, we haven't <laughs> thought about that. Yeah. We haven't gotten that far. Um, I mean, we, we, no, I don't know. I don't know. The, I don't know the finish line yet. Some people ask like, what's your end game? What's your end strategy? You know, just to be happy, to be successful, to be healthy, to not let work control my life, but to enjoy what I do. If that's what we're going to, if that's what we're doing, then we're good. So we have no desire to like take over the world and have like this huge, like that's not an ego thing. We don't make moves based on business or uh, based on money. We don't make financial moves ever. Uh, we don't do things just to make money or to come up. That's not, that's not it. So if you were to call today and say, Hey, I, um, I want to open in, uh, you know, uh, Dayton, Ohio, and you were this phenomenal, cool person that was awesome, then we'd be interested but we have no desire at the moment then to open there. It's not like we're aggressively searching for that. It's more about working with cool people who will represent what we do. So as far as like the end game, mm, I don't know it, but I just want to be happy and I want yeah. to be, I want to enjoy my life and enjoy my family. 
Because I, f- I feel like there are, I mean, I feel like a lot of people certainly like, you know, they, there's this idea that, you know, you'll work hard and then at some point you'll retire and you'll stop. But then there are other people that will like retirement is like death to them. Like, no, 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 I need to, I need to be doing something. I need to be working at something. Um, do you, are you sort of more in that camp? I don't know. You know, I always think about retiring at some point, right. And saying, well, what, you know, what would that be like? And then I just took like a week and a half off for Christmas and I'm already bored. So I don't know, like, I don't know how I would do with that. Um, but you know, I think it kind of goes to the mindset of like, I'm not the type of person, I'm not trying to make a buck quick. I'm not trying to make this as quick and big as I can and sell it and retire. That's definitely not what I'm doing or what we stand for. It's like fundamentally not what we stand for. That said, no, I don't want to work till I'm 75 or 80 years old and be one of those guys that's like, oh, I'll never stop working because I need to be busy. No, I definitely don't want to do that either. I want to set myself up and have a, have a, have a great life, provide for my family, be able to travel and, and do unique things. But I, you know, if I enjoy what I do. I, 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 don't, I, I, I like what I do. I love who I work with. This is cool. It's fun. So I'm in no rush to, to you know, that's, it's not even a thought in my head to stop doing that. Yeah. So how, like, how do you manage the risks involved in, in like running your own business? Like, I'm sure you, you encounter situations where you have to take risks uh, all the time. Um, and I'm sure some of them don't pan out. So like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Mm, um, well, first of all, it's like, if you were, I mean, we don't risk, we, you know, we, we try not to risk, we don't risk anything. Um, uh, I, I, the, the risks that we take now, I'll just say, this is like, we're, we're more fearless now than we ever were. Um, we, we, we do take risks. We do, uh, we're more aggressive. If they don't pan out, they don't pan out because I realized that you have to do those things in business. You can't be timid. You can't be reluctant to lose money. You can't, you can't, you know, just like you can't make moves trying to make money. You can't be scared to lose money. It's business. Those things will happen. So I think, you know, I'll give you an example. We, we, we brought a food truck home to Maine this year uh, for the summer. And, um, while it may be, you know, not a huge risk, it financially cost us time, energy, money, everything. And so we just said, all right, let's just do it. You know, let's do it. What's the worst that can happen? You know, it doesn't work. We lose this, whatever, let's do it. Um, those are the type of risks that we are in, we will take and we will not worry about if there's anything we, we would never risk, um, something, um, huge, uh, has to do with, you know, uh, the fundamental aspects of our business. Yeah. Um, and does that answer that question? I'm not sure if I got off on some crazy tangent. <laughs> no, no. We're, 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 in, in a nutshell, we're, we're significantly more fearless now. And I think that you have to be fearless. I think you have to be okay with taking risks and losing and saying, oh, that didn't work. Oh, well, but let's get back and let's, let's do something that will work. That's the cool, creative, entrepreneurial part of, of the job. Yeah. Do you, do you find that that's sort of like translated to your personal life in any way? Like, do you think that it's being a, a somebody that runs your own business has like impacted your, your own life? For sure. Yeah. I've changed definitely as a person. I've, I mean, the last couple of years have changed me. You know, things don't get me as upset when, when things go wrong in life, I noticed some of the people around me, um, get frazzled and, oh my God. And and me, I'm like, cool as a cucumber. Usually, you know, sometimes things get fired me up, but usually I'm pretty cool because that's life. Shit's always going to happen. Things are always not going to go as planned. And that's business 101. 
So, uh, you know, if you're opening your own business or you run your own business, you know, buckle up because things are always going to go wrong. So my personal life, who I am as a person, I've, I think I've really adapted to that and I've, I've become much more cool, you know, meaning like, I'm not, you know, it doesn't, things like that don't phase me. Um, and, and in the beginning of my business, oh my God, if we read one Yelp review that was negative, we'd be up all night pissed, <laughs> pissed, ready to kill someone. And oh my God, my employee who died. And you just learn that as using Yelp as an example, that this is going to happen. People are going to write bad reviews because that's who they are. They, you know, that people are like that. You know, then we did maybe an employee you loved got stole from you. Oh my God, how could you, how could you, well, people are going to do that. That is what it is. Life is going to let you down. Um, so you can't get too high and too low on that kind of stuff. You just have to, so, so in a moral and that's very, yeah, I've, I've chilled out, you know, things don't, don't set me like they used to. Awesome. Well, uh, this is, this has been very enlightening. Uh, thank cool. you so much for, uh, for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. A fellow Mainer. I mean, like it doesn't get better yeah. than that. Like that's awesome. <laughs> you were a kid. You felt like you were the only one from Maine in the world. <laughs> like is yep. anyone else out there i went to school in new york city and when i got there someone said hey man where are you from and i said maine and they said what's that and i said it's a yeah. state and it's actually pretty close here yeah that was that was pretty much the response uh you <laughs> know that? boston is even closer it's a state actually uh it's it's actually a it, you know it's not a what I remember there was like a, a girl that was fascinated with, she was like looking up the state tree and she was like, man, look at all these things. Like this is a whole state. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's really an hour or so from Boston. Have you heard of Boston? Oh yeah, I know Boston. Yeah, cool. It's, I mean, it's really not that much further from there. Yeah. And you're a kid growing up in Maine. You're like, man, does anyone know what we, I'm here. At least that's how it was back in the day. Now Maine's become a little more, uh, more known, I think. Yeah. Well, we just we just hung out in uh, in New Hampshire and uh, in Boston all the time because we were we we're right down. Yeah, at the you border. were really close. You could do that. See, I was a little yeah. more. I, I I thought the mean streets of Portland were pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I actually never went up to Portland until I, I got to college. Um, yeah, but it's a cool city. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me on, my brother. Yes. How can people uh, find your stuff? Yeah, they can find, I mean, CousinsMainLobster.com, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. My name's Sabin Lomack. Um, yeah, be on the lookout. We have a show coming out called Seaside Snacks and Shacks uh, this year on Food Network that I'm hosting, which is going to be an awesome, uh, you know, just me going out and eating and drinking at really cool places on the, on the shore throughout the country. So Some serious alliteration. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be gladness, I think. I think I'm <laughs> going to gain a few lbs. But yeah, you know, cousins Maine lobster. Um, if you want Maine lobster, we're you know we're definitely the people to to give it to you. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks again for uh, for coming on. And uh, if people want to subscribe to this podcast, they can find it on iTunes, The Taron Show. You can also go to robhaswebsite.com, leave a comment there. You can find me on Twitter at Armstrong Taron. And uh, thanks for listening. See you next time. Parents asking questions Parents finding out Parents looking deeper That's what it's all about It's the Tarrant Show So you